Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands. Joining me in studio this week is Justin Bonner from Jailbreak Brewing Company. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. And on a special occasion, too. Three years in business. It is. It's been, uh, it's just wild to think it's been three years, but yeah, it's, uh, in fact, you reminded me today, I almost forgot, Uh, but yeah, three years, three uh, very short, but also sometimes feeling very long years, so. So uh, why don't we get uh, your promo time right out of the way at first and All right. talk about your uh, recently announced party. Yeah, so we, uh, so we on June 17th, it's been a long road this year to get this anniversary party off the ground. Uh, but we, we've, we've kind of worked through a number of artists and a number of dates, but uh, we'll be coming back to the Fillmore this year, June 17th. It's a Saturday instead of a Friday this year. And uh, it'll be Real Big Fish will be the headliner. And so we'll also have the Expendables there and uh, about two or three other bands. So it'll be about a five or six hour concert. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, so we're looking forward to it. It's a great way for our entire company to give them, give them the day off and everyone comes out and parties. So, And uh, <clears throat> so you guys definitely have a affinity towards music and music themes. And I'd say it's obvious from a lot of your beer names and uh, is that ingrained into the culture of the brewery? It is. I mean, it's it's funny. We have um, we first when we opened, the brewers asked if they could have a, a zone of their own. The tap room had a zone for music, and the brewers really wanted to have their own zone, and that kind of grew from there. So now there's a separate zone in the packaging wing, and there's a, in a zone in the brewery, and there's a zone you know uh, in the offices, and there's a zone you know. So it's everyone has their own music. So literally, as you walk throughout the brewery, you get a you get a, you know, different, different music genre. And, you know, sometimes it's, I don't know, some, they play some weird stuff sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> but it is, it is it's very much a part of who we are. So what genre does each area stick to? Well, the brewers kind of have a kind of a rotating schedule on who gets it. It's usually whoever's there in the first shift early in the morning, they pick their, uh, their, what they're feeling that day. And then as the, uh, the next shift kind of comes in, you know, they usually kind of take over a little bit. So it can, it can range. It can range. So what, uh, what's your favorite genre? Where do... I would say I typically, uh, in the offices and whatnot, I, I typically pick, uh, pick hip hop, you know, it's, I'm an old hip hop head. So, but I listen to, you know, punk, I listen to, you know, it's a number of different things, but yeah, it usually falls back to hip hop. Cool. Um, so let's just go back in history a little bit, maybe four or five years. What, <clears throat> what were you doing before you decided to start jailbreak? And I guess we should start, say you're co-founder and ceo of the brewery correct i don't use the title much ceo but it's uh something you know, sounds fancy though yeah it is it is you know it's um but now i'm just i'm just a guy that does everything but um no no so we were, were uh it was probably back in i guess 2000 well i think going back a little even a little farther before this was conceived um i i, I was with a government contracting firm and i started back in about 2001 and uh start off customer service uh basically my ex-wife was uh told me I needed to get a job, you know, she was a teacher, so it was pretty hard for her to support us both. So I took a job, um, as a college dropout, it's tough to find a, you know, a good job somewhere, but, uh, took a job in $10 an hour, customer service, worked my way up to sales fairly quickly. And from there, um, I did well. And, and, you know, after probably about seven or eight years there, took on a VP role, then eventually a CEO role, and then eventually a managing partner role. And, uh, and then, so it's, you know, I, within probably 10, 11 years in the company, I kind of, I was kind of figuring myself out and the money was, the money was great, but I think the money was never the object for me. Um, it was, it was more the byproduct. It basically was the thing that told me I was succeeding at what I was doing. So I became, uh, kind of like, yeah, a little bit lost. And, uh, so Casey, my business partner, uh, he was one of my first clients, um, early on and, uh, we became good friends over the years. And so 
eventually, uh, you know, he moved from government to private sector, private sector, his company got bought out by an international conglomerate. And he was kind of handcuffed there for three years and really was miserable in a large corporate environment. So we decided to uh, go out to CBC just to drink some beer. Um, it was in DC that year. And uh, so we were like, let's go out and drink some beer and, you know, check out the scene. You know, it's, um, and so we went out there and really loved the vibe, just really loved the vibe of the culture of the industry. And, uh, in Maryland was very much behind the times. Back then, I think there was 20, 22, 23 breweries. Well, I think we could still say Maryland's behind the times. It is. So we'll probably discuss that a little later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it was definitely uh, something that we, we, you know, we, we, we drank you know, a lot of different local beers. And there were some really good ones. But there were also some ones that were you know, like, questionable, I think. Um, so we decided to say, listen, this is something we want to do. So uh, I said, all right, well, let's, let's get this done. So we, you know, I ran back to work, and uh, the first day back, I, I, I told my business partner, I said, listen, I, I went out of the industry. I think we've talked about this for a few years. I went out. I want to do something else in my life. He said, all right, well, we know we got to find your, you know, your replacement you know, and figure out what you're going to do and a you know, succession plan in 12 or 18 months. You know, we'll probably get this done. And I was like, well, I need it done sooner than that. So what were we looking at? I'm like, end of week. <laughs> and uh, So you were really giving notice. I was really giving some notice. <laughs> I, uh, and I got it done, which is, which is surprising. So after that meeting with him, I called Casey and said, listen, I'm done. I'm out. And he's like, oh, I know, I know. I'm excited. We definitely have to do this. And I'm like, no, no, I'm out. He's like, what do you mean? You're out? Like, end of the week. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa. Timelines, <laughs> timelines, buddy. This is not a, we should have talked a little more. So, um, yeah, so I kind of sped it up. I, I'm one of those very impulsive people that I think when I know something, I just, I, I, I run with it. Well, I mean, I would say like moving up from customer service to running the company, uh, you obviously have quite a drive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I never, uh, you know, I, I, I've never envisioned myself running a company, especially early on. I mean, I was, uh, you know, uh, in juvenile detention center during, you know, later on in my high school years and barely graduated and got out and, uh, went on to college. I don't know why I did that, but, uh, it lasted about a semester, got kicked out of college. And, um, so I was really kind of trying to find my way without you go to school, California, Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. A bunch of, I, I enrolled in California. I dropped out before I started. Really? Yeah. yeah I should have, I should have, you know, I should have made that choice. It's uh, you know, it's got one stoplight in the whole and town. Can, and considering the group of friends I was going to go with, it's probably good that I just changed my mind right away or it would have been expensive to quit. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It's a, it's a fun university. So yeah, I got out and moved to ocean city and that's kind of when I kind of, uh, you know, um, kind of placed my roots there in, uh, in Maryland back in you know, about 1998, I think it was, 97, 98. Cool. Been here ever since. Yeah, I moved, um, I'm I also from the Pittsburgh area, I moved here in 2001. So, okay. in, in Casey's also from Pittsburgh. Yeah, so he's from it, Pittsburgh area. It's amazing how uh, Pittsburgh people kind of flock together in Maryland. It is. It's a very, I mean, back then, there was no industry. There was nothing happening um, after the collapse of the steel industry. It's, there was nothing really left, and Pittsburgh was in shatters, so, or in shambles. So it's basically, uh, yeah, you see a lot of people that moved away from Pittsburgh into the Maryland area. and uh, So, yeah, there's no shortage of Steelers fans around. Yeah, that's um, when, when I came out to your brewery, Casey had given the uh, tour, and I, I asked him, because I think you, you have, like, one piece of Steeler memorabilia. At least back then you did on, like, by where your merch stand mm -hmm. was. So I just thought that was weird, considering your proximity to Baltimore. That Yeah, we, we, get, some, uh, we get some slack for that. We, we like to place the memorabilia, like, Easter eggs. Uh, a little <laughs> bobblehead here, a few stickers there, you know, something. Uh, so we, we, yeah, we secretly place them all over the brewery. Um, so from that tour, I think the name of... It was someone's kid named a beer for you. It was 
was it bubblegum rainbow? That was my oldest. <laughs> and he still asked me, when's that bubblegum rainbow going to come around? Uh, <laughs> names were, you know, it was, it was very funny because with, with, with the old industry, um, there was no, you know, we were, I was mostly in the defense community and the intelligence community. So we really couldn't talk about the work we did. And so when I got out and we started with this brewing thing, I was, you know, it's talking and we brought on Ryan, um, you know, to start brewing and then Casey's wife uh she was government contracting and she left almost immediately as well so everyone's jailbreaking everyone's escaping what they're doing well yeah so i guess i, th- I threw i threw your story off track we got to oh, yeah. where you forced casey to uh quit quickly too and then <laughs> oh yeah it's it's, it's yeah i'm all over the place sometimes. Uh, but uh, uh it works out because so am i that maybe eventually we'll get back to the same place absolutely <laughs> uh so yeah so casey uh you know he had to hang around a little longer there and erica his wife left and she wanted to learn how to brew and uh, so we never, we weren't home brewers. We didn't know what we were doing in, in brewing. Um, other than the fact that we knew we wanted to make a really good product. Um, so we, so all you knew how to do was drink beer correct? and that you hated your jobs and you wanted to own a brewery. Well, we, we tried, we, we said, how hard can it be? So we, we got this homebrew kit and we, uh, we made our first beer, which was the Tiffany Amber Ale. Um, again, that's where the kind of started the cinema and music, everything started. Uh, even back then we were doing it on, uh, it, it wasn't very good. So we decided to try another one. We did, made an uh, iced tea loves cocoa stout, and uh, that was also equally as terrible. <laughs> so we uh, luckily I was, I was. So you're on a roll. I'm on a roll. Yep. I, you know, zero for two. So my old business partner uh, happened to as one of his family members worked at a as one of the senior lead brewers at Dogfish, and so um, it was kind of funny because when when he first kind of brought him up, he's like, "Listen, you know, I, my my you know brother-in-law is." You know, works at a really, really big brewery. From what I'm, I'm understanding, I'm like, what's it? He knows nothing about beer. He's like, what's it called? He's like, oh, I think it's like, like flying fish. I'm like, oh, flying fish. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, they're I'll, pretty big. I'll, yeah, I'm like, all right, I know who they are. I'll talk to them. So I, uh, I end up giving him a call and I said, oh, so you know, tell me a little bit about what you do there at Flying Fish. He's like, what the hell is Flying Fish? He's like, I'm a dogfish dude. I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't, I don't know the background. Uh, so I kind of wanted to bring him on as a consultant to help vet out who would potentially be, you know, our, our head of brewing. And um, it just wasn't going anywhere. We weren't really finding a lot of qualified individuals that we really kind of felt that was also kind of felt fit with our culture. So we eventually de- just decided to ask Ryan the question, like, you know, would you leave Dogfish to come to this little operation? It's not even anything, not even built. And uh, we were really surprised by his answer when he said yes. So he came on. We, uh, we got a small, uh, we st- a small brew system, a half barrel system that we still use today for pilot brewing. And went out my back patio and built a tent around it and uh, pumped everything down into fermenters in the basements. And then, uh, you know, it's, uh, we started there uh, really early on. So it was kind of interesting just to kind of see, you know, you know, that creativity. Cause I kind of go back to saying like, you know, when I left the intelligence community, um, I, w- I didn't know how to be creative. I didn't know how to express myself. It was really kind of shut down. So when someone said, you know, where are we going to name this beer? I'm like, can name it anything can i like, yeah no one's gonna stop they can you. tell everyone yeah like oh my god <laughs> this is uh this is crazy so i threw out some names um they hated them all <laughs> and it used to be a kind of a real democracy where i'd pitch a name and we'd try to get everyone on board but get really 100 percent buy-in and that would never happen so now if someone says like here's a name I'm like eh, like that that's a that's a thumbs up and it is it's not a no so that's how we kind of go now. Like, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yes, right. And uh, nowadays we just look out for those no's, those emphatic no's. Um, everything else is a yes. So. Yeah, I, I, I love a lot of your your um, beer names. Like, uh, well, the 
because so, so many of them reference cool stuff like the, the big Lebowski beer. What's the oh the white Russian white, white Russian? So you and with the the cool artwork and feed the monkeys a big yeah. Lebowski line and yeah we draw we draw basically from what inspires us and uh, it's it's really is an interesting process. The creative process is really really interesting. I think it's the one area of the brewery that I get most excited about is the names, the artwork, the styles that we're brewing. And uh, and how we connect with the consumer, so it's a, it's a, that's that's the fun part of the job. Yeah, let's talk about your artwork for a little bit, because um, your cans are beautiful. Thank you. And so you you said you have you have the same artist that does all of them. Correct, except yeah. for one. Yeah, this uh, Bill Green. He's out of Los Angeles. That's funny because we have a Bill Green that works here. That I mean, is he creative? He's a photographer. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it must be just the name. It's all in the name. It's uh, no Bill is, is is kind of great. We worked with a number of artists early on, uh, local and then not so local, and really it's it's I think with art, for us like we have it's really hard to kind of take this vision you have in your head and then ask someone to put it on paper. It's because people tell you they get it like oh, I get it I understand what you're saying I I, I see it I see your vision I'm gonna put it and then all of a sudden what they give you back like what the hell you is this? saw nothing this is I, this is not even in the same ballpark uh, so. Uh, Ryan is probably the biggest Lebowski head, uh, our brewmaster, you know, at the brewery. So he's, uh, he said, well, I'm going to reach out to the artists of the Lebowski Fests. His name's Bill Green. I love his artwork. And uh, I want to see if, you know, he'd be open to it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, that guy's not going to work with us. Go ahead. So he ran off and he got an email back and, and Bill's like, I've always wanted to work with the brewery. <laughs> he's like, let's, let's do it. So I said, all right, let's, let's, let's see if you got chops. Let's, let's see what you got here. So we gave him the first one, which is the Big Punisher. Something that was, you know... Um, the artwork we wanted to see we wanted something simplistic for our first can um but but unique and so what he gave us back was immediately what we had envisioned for it and from there we went on to you know the infinite and then feed the monkey was the first design that really was more of a complex design and we were asking him to kind of do a lot and there was a number of renditions but the first one he did was really close it was just that detail work that took a while so that was my next so do you you contact him you give him the name and then your idea, you don't just let them run. We do at times. We do like the white Russians since, you know, being it's, it's, it's his wheelhouse. It is. We're like, you, you do whatever you want. And he came back with something that was just spectacular. Um, we added in a few little little details um, to the, the final the final artwork. But the only one that he hasn't done for us to date was our do right. And uh, Jimmy from Jimmy's Chicken Shack is local. He lives in Annapolis and he's an artist and a damn good one at that. So being that we were naming it after one of his songs, we wanted him to create the artwork. And uh, we gave him just free reign, do what you want. And he came back with a really unique piece of artwork. If you've never seen it, it looks, uh, there's a big green honeydew head on it that looks like uh, something else. Um, I'll let you kind of decide what it might look like. Uh, but it's, uh, we're like, wow, okay, um, this is interesting, but this is Jimmy. So let's, let's run with it. So he's, uh, that's the only other artwork that we've had that hasn't been created by bill i'm gonna look that up now because now you because i'm not familiar with what it looks like it'll be released actually uh i believe this week no next week releasing it next week it's a seasonal beer so just waiting for your eyes when you find it because you know, it'll probably open up a little wider I don't think that's yours. I'm not sure. Uh, whoever took the picture didn't show what I'm obvious. They just showed the um, homage to Mount. Well, I'm sure that's not related to Mountain Dew. Oh, oh. 
Yeah, it's kind of Jimmy playing a guitar in front of a crowd. and uh, But yeah, he has a honeydew head. Oh, I'll have to look for that later because this is probably really boring for people listening. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's interesting. But no, we, we take a, a lot of pride in the artwork. Uh, it's, it's an expression of, you know, it's kind of like those details. It really is. So that big, big pun was one of your first beers. What, what other ones did you first come out with? Well, we first came out, our first actual beer that we made was the Made Wit Basil. It's our basil wit beer. Um, that was our first batch of beer that, that went through the system. And the first we canned was Big Pun. But it was early on, it was the amber. We really wanted the amber. It's, uh, Ryan has great pedigree. He worked for eight years at Alaskan Brewery. They make what's, what I consider one of the best ambers in the country. And, uh, but they don't, they don't distribute around here. And so I say, you know, we don't want to make something that's the same. But we're looking for that kind of feel, that kind of vibe, that kind of maltiness. That you really, we really weren't seeing in ambers. We were seeing more of these hopped up ambers. And, uh, or maybe a lot of them, they were fairly thin. So we wanted a nice, like robust, malty amber. And uh, we developed that over time. We developed, geez, we did, there was many, many months of pilot batching. I mean, literally him and Eric would show up every morning. They would bring their lunch boxes or lunch bags. And they had their their work table. And they would come to work every day to the house like it was, a job <laughs> and uh it was interesting and you know my kids would they'd go out there and play and check it out and they were you know all excited but it really was a job so it's so the amber was a really important thing to develop early on and the heffy was just honestly the the, the monkeys our number one beer um but it was really kind of i wouldn't say it was done by accident it was just let's do a wheat beer like i really want a wheat beer and uh, but let's make it a little different. So we decided to add a little bit of orange juice and zest and really bring out the banana notes because I'm not a big fan of the big clove heffies. So just something that's fairly unique and we never expected it to go to places it's gone and get as big as it is. But yeah, I think the first beer I had of yours was Big Pun at the Maryland Craft Beer Festival. So it must have been like right after you guys opened mm-hmm. or <clears throat> um, and I've, I've loved your beer ever since. Well, thank you, thank you. It's uh, it was a, it was kind of a, an escape from what we were seeing. We were seeing that really a trend started where it was really big, super hoppy. And to me, I'm a I'm a wine geek, and so I'm all about balance, 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 balance. And uh, it's overrated. Yeah, you know, seriously, it's uh, we went we went something where we had a nice malt character, but also the hops. And uh, we worked with a number of that. That was one we probably worked on the most, um, and kind of tweaked the most on the pilot system before decided finally deciding. But all these beers. It's interesting, all these beers, we tweak these beers with every batch. Like, we never really, I wouldn't say it changes, but we find little ways to get more and more out of each beer by just changing things up just a small amount. Not that a consumer would notice, but over time, it does make a great deal of difference. Now, before we started recording, you told me a little bit of the history of ODB, mm-hmm. the name and the sketch. Can you tell? I, I thought that was cool. So. What's well, kind of our throwback to you know to old dirty bastard, um, but it's for us it was I don't know I think at some point someone called me like oh man so I was I was always dirty I was wearing dirty stuff I was just getting stuff slopped on me at the brewery all the time so it was old dirty Bonner, and uh, so we when we came up with the beer it's just we wanted to I think uh, maybe capture that and so the tap handle magnet was was me and like uh, hair extensions you know <laughs> fake mullet and everyone thought that was that was in fact there's still some pictures hanging up in the office of that embarrassing but uh. You know, good historical thing. But so, yeah, the ODB was was we really wanted to kind of build a kind of bring life to this. You know, our first ODB that we made wasn't barrel aged. It was just kind of, um, you know, straight to keg. So this one was was aged in Syrah barrels. So I have a friend who's out in uh, California has a very successful winery out there. And I was able to con him out of four of his Syrah barrels. 
And so really the Syrah characteristic and this beer just really are meant to be together. So we, we aged them and uh, turned out great and decided to remove my face uh, <laughs> from it and give it a more proper um, a proper uh, label. So this is a very small batch we did, though, but kind of our, uh, you know, it's, it's our homage to... I think it'd be funny to just keep it with the original, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little scary. I don't know if anyone would bought it, but uh, it was fun. So what, what's your favorite beer that you produce? Oh, Jesus, like, ask me which one of my favorite. My kids is my favorite. I'll uh, tell you which one of my kids is my yeah, favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have one, but I'm not saying. <laughs> no, I, it's, uh, I think that depending on the time, I, I mean, I love Monkey. It's uh, the Monkey, on it, especially on a hot day. It just, it works. Um, I love the Amber. It's kind of my go-to on a, on a cold day. But I really, I really get into to all of our beers. I think my favorite that we make is White Russian by far. It's uh, all of our beers are kosher um, certified. Not that any of us are Jewish at the brewery, but uh, we just really wanted to kind of so follow. corner that market. Well, we wanted to actually like <laughs> make sure. Like we said to ourselves, we want to use real ingredients. And that was one of the things when Ryan came in that he just he demanded. He's like, we're not using these extracts, what we call wump in the industry. Uh, we're using real stuff. And I think he learned that at Dogfish. I mean, I think uh, Dogfish, I think, may have went through a brief spell where they used some things that weren't 100% natural, and they, they quickly found out, like, that's not what we want. Well, it just, you can tell almost instantly because you have that uh, artificial flavoring taste with some beers. That, yeah. Like, at first, it's like, oh, that's a cool flavor. And then you're like, ah, oh, that's no good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you taste something like with, uh, like, watermelon. Like, come on. Like, this is more watermelon than watermelon. Yeah. Like, this is... Uh, <laughs> Like a, like a Jolly Rancher. Uh, so no, we, 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 it was, it was important for us to use real ingredients. And so the white Russian was unique because we use, you know, we use our, our lactose. We use um, vanilla, real vanilla. Real vanilla is real expensive. And it's also hard, hard to work with, isn't it? It, it's, it's, it can be difficult. Yeah. And, um, and then we use, we coffee, we actually, you know, we cold brew the coffee there and let it soak overnight. And, um, do you have a special, uh, roaster that you use or? We do. We use Ceremony out of Annapolis. Uh, I love their coffee. And uh, so we, we, we've changed up the coffee we use in that beer um, a number of times because a lot of times we'll uh, get single-source coffee that they only have X amount of. This year was difficult because we were, over the three years we made it, we made a couple batches our first year. We decided to double it and make four batches. And then when we canned it, we said, okay, we're going to amp it up to like six batches. And I think we made like nine or ten. We just we couldn't get enough out there quickly enough. So we ran out of the coffee, so we had to go back. Like every time we need to find a new coffee, we go back to ceremony, we do a cupping, we find like what coffee, like which coffee really works well with what we're looking for. And, and then we go back and we use it. And then when we decide to make another batch, they're out again. So we gotta go back to the cupping. So we drink a lot of coffee in this whole process. But it's, it's really is, it's fun, it's unique. And um, you know, it's, it, for me, that's, that's the pinnacle. I think that's, we've gotten that beer to a point where it is exactly the way I envisioned that beer to be the first two years. I couldn't say that it was good, but just missed. It just missed that tiny detail. Didn't that, hit exactly where you wanted it to be. Yeah, and I and I I'm very uh, we're we're pretty harsh on our own beer. We're very tough critics of our of our own beers, and um, I usually have to remove myself from the situation often because you know if I find that one batch is not what I'm looking for, or the life's you know the, the, the life the longevity of the beer is not what I'm looking for, I get I get very emotionally, you know. Um, kind of visually emotional about about the beer so but we go back and we change it and we do it every day and every day we come back in and you know we're very good at pushing ourselves which is i like the fact that we have that culture there let's uh so can you talk about the ephemeral series and so this is volume four 
what's the the idea behind the ephemeral series? So the ephemeral series was something you know we see this 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 kind of I don't know if you call it a fad or a trend now with with New England style beers, but we didn't want to make a, a super hazy beer, but we wanted to make a super hop forward beer, and I think for us we wanted to, but we didn't want to kind of steal away from the poor righteous and the big pun brands. So we wanted to do something on a limited basis. And one of the guys, that one of the brewers there, uh, Rob, was really, really excited um, to, uh, to get involved in the process. And he asked us, he's like, listen, can I kind of spearhead this project? And he's like, how often can we make it? I'm like, well, let's, every four to six weeks, we have tank space, let's do it. And so now it's, uh, it's become kind of this thing for us where every eph- ephemeral release is a different beer using different yeasts and hops and... While we make it keeps things fresh for us, which I think we love, uh, it also allows us to experiment with different ingredients, different hops, different yeast to see what it gives us. So it's also it's a it's a training exercise. So we we, we get to learn a lot about different ingredients, what's out there. This next release will be a um, it'll be a beer de garde yeast, so a French ale yeast. So we're actually doing a beer de garde and then harvesting that yeast to make uh, an IPA that is that is oh cool yeah a French style IPA. So. It's fun. We're all excited to kind of because the French ale yeast is only available in the states once a year. Do you do you do do these runs on your full system or are they on your smaller one? It's a full do. system. We'll make a twenty barrel batch of each, and we'll can some, we'll we'll keg some, and we try to find out what that balance is just to make sure that we have enough of both to try to get us to the next release. So we want the beer kind of not to be consumed within a first week, but not also not to go longer than the four to six weeks to get us to the next batch. So it's we like to always make sure we have some. So. This is phenomenal. It's really good. This is a kind of a big, big lemon bomb. Like it's yeah. a lot of lemon, lemon going on with it. Even if we don't use no lemons were harmed in the making of the beer, <laughs> it's a lot of on the hop side. But yeah, each one's very, very different, and um, it's even inspired us to make a beer for Columbia's 50th anniversary. We uh, worked together with Clyde's to come up with this big, super hopped up, hopped up beer, and we used mango on the back end as well to really create something. I think it's one of the better IPAs we've made to date. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's... <clears throat> now, you guys have had just absolutely rapid growth, correct? And it seems like you've really taken off, like, the last two years. It is. It's been interesting. Short lifespan. It's been interesting. It's uh, The growing pains are difficult. Uh, we never expected, I don't think, to, to kind of be at this volume so quickly. And so it's, uh, we built the infrastructure, Casey and I built this for growth. I mean, so that we could, we wouldn't have to constantly reinvent a wheel with every growth, growth cycle, but it's, it is, it has been a lot to keep up with to continue to add tanks, add infrastructure, add people. I mean, with 35 people now, it's, uh, it's a lot of mouths to feed and it's a great responsibility, um, for not only Casey and I, but everyone in the company. And, uh, so it's, but it's gone well. It's uh, everyone's kind of flexed and, and really surged to keep up and, uh, and for us, it's really about making sure that the quality of the product is always there. It's always consistent. Now, I I can't remember who told me this, so it may have been just completely wrong, um, that y- you guys sell, like you, you are one of the highest in the state for selling in your tap room. We are. By volume. We are. And it's, uh, it's, it's actually so... We we knew we knew we were going to run into some issues. There was that 500 barrel limit, which was recently changed. Yeah, that's where I was leading to. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the HB is it the, the new the new law, 1283 is it? Yeah, yeah. It's so we knew this was happening. So in 16, we kind of went to the Brewers Association, and there was a lot of things on the table that needed you know to kind of move towards legislation. 
And one of the big things for us was like, listen, we're in 17, we're going we're gonna to have to sh shut down the tap room in September and lay everyone off there and because we're going to hit this volume. And unfortunately, we were the only one in the state that really was up against that. So we decided back in 16 that we needed to move ahead with changing our license, building out a kitchen, and uh, which would allow us to serve, you know, exponentially a larger amount of, of beer um, through the tap room. And so it was interesting because in 17, beginning of 17, now you had Flying Dog who opened their tap room and Union was continuing to grow in their tap room. And then you had some other young breweries that, that were really investing in their tap rooms. I, I think we were probably the first to really, in, in the state as a production brewery, to really invest in a tap room. And um, so now they were, they were looking at, you know, potentially in the next 12 months or so that they would come up, you know, you know come upon this, this, this uh, limit as well and it would be hurting them. So um, we definitely supported them. It's, 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 it should be. I mean, you should be able to go and, and, and get the product directly from the source and then go out to your, your normal neighborhood bars and continue to consume it or restaurants, you know. And, and so we, we had already gone down a path to the kitchen. So, and that's, uh, our, so no matter what, you, you were going to be fine. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna be fine. I mean, we're we'll start construction here in about three or four weeks, and uh, but it's a long process, it's a year long process to kind of prepare our facility for this, and and uh, so yeah, we'll be fine regardless of of, of where that goes. Uh, but but then again, I just think it's it's asinine that a brewery would have to become a restaurant in order just to, to be able to sell more of their own beer. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 something that you, no brewery should have to do. So and it's it's painstaking. So it's a whole other area of the company that we have to not only build out, but then really focus on because the quality has to match, the food yeah. has to match the beer as well as service and everything else. Um, so yeah, we were, we were certainly supportive of all the breweries, uh, getting this, this barrel limit increase because it's, it's, uh, not a fun, not a fun undertaking to have to go through it. Um, did you, did you have to carve out some of your existing space or did you expand into, other areas of uh, more into that building well we started with the ten thousand square feet and we picked up a wing on the left it was an old crossfit gym and we used that for more or less storage uh then we picked up another five thousand square feet on the right side which would eventually be offices in the front and a packaging wing and now you know we have we've run out of storage so we picked up another close to five thousand square feet in the building next to us for can storage and whatnot so right now we're about 20 i think it's about twenty six thousand square feet or so um, so yeah, but we, we, we've carved out another 2000 square foot, uh, or square feet for the kitchen, a thousand square feet really kind of, uh, is more tap room space, uh, it's an extension of the tap room and a thousand square feet for the kitchen. So you keep the same kind of layout with high top seating. Yes. So it won't be like a restaurant, like go sit down and no. have a meal more of a, we're inspired by Trogues. You know, Trogues is an amazing yeah. operation. Yes. <laughs> and they've been very, very good with, uh, you know, us us visiting them and this really kind of showing us behind the scenes of their operation with us, you know, letting them know that what we're doing. And, uh, you know, they're not that close, so it's really not competitive. And it's, yeah, more or less a kind of a fast casual feel. You go are you going to have one of their food. phenomenal, are you going to have a phenomenal pretzel? Because I really hope you have a phenomenal We might pretzel. have a phenomenal pretzel. <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's, yeah, we, it should be like, uh, like more like uh, flatbreads, uh, sliders, uh, street tacos in a soft pretzel in a, in a soft pretzel to boot now it should be it should be fun so it's more it will be a kind of seat yourself go up get a buzzer we want to keep that beer hall feel we don't want to become a, a true restaurant it just it's it's not our vibe yeah i really like the way i think tro that's a great that you're you've been able to 
talk with them and pick their minds because I think that's the perfect model. It is. It is. And they, they, it's a well-oiled machine over there. So we can only hope to uh, get to at least to um, the some level where they are. Um, but yeah, it's, so that's, that's going to be the look and feel of it. So do, do you have a beer in your head that you really want to make that you just haven't made yet? Or do, you, do they just come to you and you decide to make them? I have a lot of beers. I mean, we, it's funny because sometimes you have to kind of play politics. When you're, when you're making a beer, you have to look around your local area and say, like, who's making what? Like, are we going to make a corn? Are we going to be competing with someone else's corn? Are they doing it well? And if we do one, it's, is that, you know, going to, um, are people going to look ill upon us for, you know, but then again, everything's being made. There's like, there's, yeah. there's no names that haven't been taken. There's no beers that haven't been made. There's no ingredients that aren't being used somewhere. So I think, a lot of it, what we do is, you know, we have, you know, if you've seen the Poor Righteous Can, what you have, yeah. the headphones on the uh, on the pig kind of represent just us putting on the sound dampeners and just staying true to our vision, not really following any fads or trends, um, but staying true to what we want to do. And I think if we just continue to do that, that people will always say what they want to say. But I think that for the most part in the Maryland community, for the most part, I, I see as everyone being very authentic in what they're making. And really, the best are playing to their their strong points. So I, I think uh, we we have a lot of beers that we want to make, and uh, it's just finding room to get it out there and and find a tank to get it into. Are you are you constricted production wise now, or have you been able to keep up with your growth with capacity for tanks? And well, we have more tanks coming in now, so uh, you know we are we are we are basically short on most of our beers. So it's it's very frustrating when a distributor comes and. Like today, our two distributors will come. They'll come. They're out of Poor Righteous. Well, we can Poor Righteous today, and we're not going to make their trucks. That means our trucks need to go just grab that Poor Righteous and take it out to them. And it's really kind of right timing right now. And this isn't even really the peak of the busy season. So we're, we're desperately trying to keep up. And, um, yeah, well, you know, we'll see. We, 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 we had to lose a territory. We lost the Ocean City territory about a year and a half ago because we just couldn't keep up there. And we're trying to really – we're only in Maryland, D.C., and a little bit of northern Virginia – so we're desperately trying to keep up with those areas. We haven't added any territories, nor will we, I'm sure, for at least a few years. That's good, though. If you're if you're able to sell that much in such a small footprint, it it, is. it keeps your distribution costs down. And so. it's nice to be able to touch our, our consumers. I mean, yeah. it's it's if, if we were three or four states away, I don't think it'd be as fun. I just think it would be uh, growth for the sake of growth, but not necessarily uh, give us the satisfaction we're looking for. So yeah, we're, we're trying to keep it. You know, I would say we're trying to keep it small. We're just trying to keep our area small. So do you have anything exciting coming up that you want to talk about to let people know about? Yeah, we have our we've we. It's funny we 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 make a pilsner now, and uh, early on when I used to do the tours, I always told people that I'm not making a lager. Like why? Because it takes six weeks rather than two weeks, and at the end of the day, it's a lager. <laughs> like how interesting is that? Um, oh, how times have changed. I eat my words quite a bit. So we decided, like, I, I think there is this trend that actually I'm personally on as well, I'm, I'm personally in, is, is this kind of this escape away from these crazy beers and back into normal styles. And uh, I yeah, went... Yeah, like the Kolsch has it, had a huge resurgence. It has. Beer that tastes like beer. Yeah. It, it's wild. And I love it because, I mean, it's for wine, I went through that same evolution of getting out there with the wine, and then I, I find I just go back to common common styles so we made a pilsner it's called check the technique uh name of gangstar song and uh it's a check pilsner we we were developing for about a year we developed two tracks a check and a german style and uh kind of liked where we were going with the check and 
So that came out in draft a few months ago, and then at the end of May, we'll have our cans in. They're really cool. They're matte black cans, and they have, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, it's kind of a really cool, interesting schematic, like a Rube Goldberg machine. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's all, it's like a chalkboard. So it's a really, really interesting design, and um, we're, so we're excited to get that out there. We've gotten rid of the jalapeno IPA out of the core uh, because we just found that it has a really good following. It just ended up in the wrong stores. It didn't have the consumer base that really understood what the heck a jalapeno IPA. You know, they can't even sell a regular IPA. Yeah, it's mostly a Miller. Trying to convince someone that a jalapeno IPA is something to drink. Yeah, I I was sitting earlier. Try I couldn't for some reason I completely forgot about Welcome to Scoville. The guy was like, I know there was another IPA with big pun in the beginning. But, mm-hmm. uh, so that's you're not you're not making that at all anymore. We'll make that twice a year, but only okay. for the taproom area. So it's it just ended up in stores where it got old. It just it, you know if there's just the stores are selling beer but also selling bail bonds, um, <laughs> you know, and adult toys, then you're probably it's not the right store for a jalapeno IPA. But they would buy it because the guy up the street was buying and doing it doing so well with it. Yeah. So it just, at the end of the day, we just, we were very diligent about replacing old beer in the market if there is any. It was always that beer at the wrong store. Um, so we just said, you know what, let's just, we need room for another core, and I think Pilsner's a good fit. So we'll kind of back out Scoville and just get it out enough that people who really love it can get it a few times a year. Cool. Uh, and so next week you have your May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, yeah, it's a... Uh, the, this, you know, the Star Wars glasses. It's, I, mean, I missed the last year's one, so I'm hoping to make this one. We have um, May 18th is uh, Thursday uh, before before Preakness. We have DC 101 coming out and broadcasting from the uh, the brewery. And we have a bunch of bands and outdoor bars. and So uh, we almost made a Preakness Pilsner. Uh, in fact, no one really knows this story. Everyone's heard Preakness Pilsner's coming. Uh, the Preakness Pilsner will be coming. Um, <laughs> so we... Uh, we had got to go ahead, and then we got the thumbs up, and then you know, just recently we had the thumbs down. They, they just didn't want their name associated. Oh, they with very their... much wanted. Yeah, it's oh. a, AB owns the infield at the Preakness. Oh, so and, they did not want you having a. Yeah, we were we were thinking, why don't we just change the name and call it the Preakness, uh, a Pilsner, and then we can just say it's an AB thing. Um, so now it's uh, so it's unfortunately we we won't be making one uh, for that, but um, maybe in in the future. Fabies and ever releases control of the infield yeah yeah so it's we'll see what happens they but just ruin everything they ruin all the fun <laughs> it's funny because i mean miller miller doesn't it, we don't see this from we have a lot of miller distributors we don't want to, we don't really see this from miller as much as we see it from bud but you know it's a it's a big industry yeah got to protect your you know you have a lot of investors to answer to so i don't, I don't blame them as business owners so are are you guys star wars nerds is that some of us are yeah, I mean, me not as much. I mean, I love, love Star Wars, but some really just geek out over it. <laughs> so they get really excited about it. So, um, but yeah, it's it's always a fun event. And then when again is uh, your anniversary party? June seventeenth, Saturday, June seventeenth. Uh, you'll you should see Ticketmaster offering tickets. I think starting Friday. Is today Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, it's two days. Yeah, two days. With real big fish. Real big fish. Yeah. So uh, check it out. Come out. It's uh We'll have two new releases, probably a real big IPA. And then I think we're bringing our Berliner Vice with Key Lime back for the party. Oh, cool. The Miami Vice. So, uh, yeah, it, sh- it should be fun. And um, will you be at the Crap Beer Festival again on the creek? I will. Or, when, when is that? That's coming that's up this, this May 13th. May 13th, the week before Preakness. Yeah, I think I will be. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot of people there. I mean, the brewery will be there. Yeah. I, 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 
people tell me where to go. I don't even, I don't even control my calendar anymore. It's not wherever someone points and <laughs> that's nudges it. you towards, that's where you'll be. They create the calendar, and I wake up in the morning, check out where I'm going, and off I go. So, and where do where can people find the brewery? Uh, Laurel, so located right on Route One across from Carmax, and uh, it's in a little sliver of Howard County. So, if you're 95 or on 32, it's really easy access, and uh, we're open Wednesdays through Saturdays. Uh, until about 10 p.m. each day, and then we'll open longer hours and more days once we open the kitchen sometime in September, August, September. Cool. I, thank you so much for uh, coming in, telling for us having some me. stories, and sharing your delicious beer. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.